Running Light Ministry Podcast is brought to you by listeners like you. You can support these podcasts by making a gift to the ministries at runninglight.org. Hey, this is Bo from Running Light, and we want to just take a moment this Christmas and say thank you so much for being a part of everything that we do at Running Light, from our groups to our education um, of those in our area and beyond. Just thank you so much from all of us at Running Light. Have a great holiday time, and be sure to visit betterpleasure.org. That's betterpleasure.org to check out our website, where there's all kinds of cool stuff you guys can take a look at for educational purposes. So take care. We are on with another podcast from the Better Pleasure Podcast. My name's Bo. I'm Peter. And we are with Running Light Ministries here to talk about sex and lust and the Bible and sexuality, everything like that, man, from a biblical perspective. And we hope you enjoy it. So without further ado, we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on in the news. Peter just gave me some interesting news about uh, the company that runs uh, a lot of the tube porn sites out there. So a lot of the sites that people go to, like Pornhub, um, are run by a company uh, called uh, MindGeek. Out of Switzerland, right? Luxembourg. Luxembourg. Yeah. Very yeah. small country. Yeah, very small country. And uh, MindGeek, if you go to their site, they look like a legit tech site because they are. Uh, they just happen to own a lot of porn. <laughs> uh, and you, you told me that they kind of uh, pioneered a lot of the idea of making free videos and monetizing them, right? Well, it wasn't really MindGeek. It actually goes all about all the way back to a guy named Thalman. Uh, I think he's a German young man who uh, was a programmer, and then um, and then he ended up making these uh, kind of one-click, I think, algorithm kind of things um, that uh, uh, he sold, ended up getting rich off of it. And, um, you know, and then guys that started Brazzers, the Brazzers uh, label, um, they were just a bunch of guys, I think, at a Canadian university, if I remember. Um, but then it ended up getting sold to MindGeek. Right. So a lot of stuff has uh, been uh, kind of MindGeek has kind of taken over a lot of things. So you were saying a lot, a bunch of lawsuits are happening. Yeah. So there's a couple. Uh, the first one was they got. <clears throat> I'm not sure if it was uh, Pornhub or MindGeek themselves, or if it was like a subsidiary, some sort of a, a, a porn filming company and distribution company. They uh, filmed a lot of girls. They started making porno, uh, pornographic movies f- featuring these women. Mm-hmm. And the promise was, is, hey, these are only going to go onto DVDs and we're going to sell them in different countries. So don't worry about it. Your family and friends will never know that you did this. It's oh. all going to be under the table. You know, you're just going to get paid. You do your thing and then you go your way. And of course, <laughs> the next thing they did is they uploaded all of it to their site. And um, these women were just devastated. Some of them uh, are suicidal. I'm not sure if any of them actually took their own lives when they learned that, but it definitely really messed them up. Uh, the what idea. made them think it wasn't going to actually get out? I guess uh, just believing the person that told them that it wouldn't. Uh, but uh, obviously they were strapped for cash. They needed to make a quick buck, and that, that was... 
the way they wanted to do it, but they wanted it on the down low. So once it went out and all their family and friends realized what they did, uh, it, it really took a, a toll on them. But so they are all uh, in a class action lawsuit against MindGeek. So, huh. okay. <clears throat> I'm just looking up uh, some of the news here. And it says that $80 million are claimed by 40 American women with a lawsuit filed against the management company for uh, of the platform of Pornhub MindGeek. Uh, the story began when these women models in a professional revealed that they were forced to videotape porn scenes by the company. Okay, do so it was a company. Girls yeah. do porn. Um, in a con- uh, complaint filed Tuesday in California, the victim stressed that MindGeek Quote, he knew he was working with and benefiting from a sex trafficking business for years. In January, a judge ruled that Girls Do Porn owners should pay $12.7 million for women out, outburst cases. Um, Girls Do Porn is one of the content providers of Pornhub, which is ultimately responsible for publishing the material. The 40 ladies claim to have been deceived as Girls Do Porn more or less blackmailed them for forcing them to create inappropriate vi- videos with the commitment that the material was not posting on the internet of any kind of traffic in the United States. Of course, Girls Do Porn took advantage of the innocence of the 40 defendants by simply assuring them that their porn videos would only be released on DVD in markets outside of the United States, such as Australia. goes without saying that Girls Do Porn transmitted it immediately. Controversial material on Pornhub, um, blah, blah, blah. So, you know... uh, so basically, there you go. <laughs> That's some news. <laughs> there you go. And you then the, the other one, which was even uh, more interesting to me, uh, was that they sued Pornhub for having uh, content like uh, under age teen, uh, 18 content, yeah. uh, violence towards women type content, uh, <clears throat> stuff that people are deeming racist content. So they actually had to get rid of all that content. And... Uh, I'm not really sure if they had to pay any money, but they got rid of all the content, which probably didn't bone them out too bad. <laughs> but they, they, it only they, now they only have seven million videos yeah, instead know. of you know eight million. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so huge huge hit to their no. profit margins. But it yeah. kind of goes into what you and I talk about all the time, where uh, a lot of Christians and conservative movements that try to shut down porn. Yeah. What they don't realize is that they're kind of setting up a straw man. Uh-huh. And they're saying, like, porn is abusive towards women. Porn is, uh, you know, degrades children. And <clears throat> what they don't realize is that even porn producers would be in agreement with them, meaning that there's a lot of people who are pro-porn, lobbyists for porn companies and people like that, that would totally agree with them. And so it's not that, and they think that they're fighting porn, but they're actually only fighting a particular brand of porn yeah. that the majority of people agree is bad. <laughs> yeah, and I was doing I was doing some of my um, just uh, looking at some of the research documents that I have for presentations, and I was reviewing one that uh, goes over a lot of uh, studies, case studies all over the world, and uh, really especially from the '70s on, um, and. You know, in these case studies, there is uh, so much information out there that I know a lot of conservative people wouldn't want to read. Uh, because when you argue, you know, like porn is bad because of, you know, and you name your thing, it doesn't do good for marriages, it doesn't, it's not good for this, it's not good for that. Um, 
you know, uh, we kind of set up a straw man in those things. And that's what kind of the, um, the uh, study showed is that a lot of times the results that you think pornography might have on a country or a particular place are actually not the, right. the, the actual effects of it. You know, but we tend to, you know, uh, you know, just build up something, a straw man, and then just crush it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but I'm not surprised. You know, I, I was just uh, listening to our our co-laborers, kind of uh, friends from Sold No More, a sex trafficking uh, organization out here where we're from. And we've partnered with them many times before to do presentations called Power Over Predators in the public schools. We haven't done that in years, but we did that for years with them. And they were doing a fundraiser and they had this lady on who works with the FBI in the United States. And she brought up something which was very interesting in this COVID era. And that was what a lot of people don't understand is that when COVID uh, has hit and uh, the governors and mayors lock down states that what they're finding is that the amount of sexual abuse has gone up immensely. Hmm. And that is something that I don't think a lot of the public is aware of in general when they think of COVID-19. I'm not, I don't think they're thinking like, wow, you know, don't lock down the place because you know, there's so much sexual abuse going on in the homes. Mm-hmm. And, and this lady was talking about how it's not just sexual abuse, but they're seeing much more uh, uh, larger cases of violence yeah. within the sexual kind of things that are happening. So it really was... Did she give like a, like a specific reason for that? Um, well, she was just saying people are home, people are stressed, people, you know, are depressed. Uh, you know, people are used to going, she mentioned, I think, I, I think if I remember correctly, it's like people are used to going out right. and doing things, you know. So I, you might not like this, but people do go out and they do go to a club or they go and hook up with someone or find a prostitute or go to something, uh, strip club or things of that nature. And that's how some people roll. Yeah. And, uh, and you don't have that, so you're kind of home. And if you're struggling financially, um, your kids are home. And I imagine that that is a real deal. You know, like if you're already in an abusive home and you're a young girl or a young boy hmm. and you're already in a, a violent home and now your family is, your dad or your mom is in the house like all the time, that can be rough. And yeah. I think you were saying that the amount of alcohol sales have gone up. Yeah. Yeah, addiction. All addictive substances are on the rise right now. Yeah. Uh, which is fascinating. But it kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, the Great Depression era. You know, in the Great Depression, it's like all the markets took a big hit. The markets that really did well were movies and, like, alcohol and things like that. And you're like, that's crazy. People didn't have any money. Like, they're starving to death, and they're spending money on movies and, like, alcohol. And it's like, yeah. Fantasy. Yeah, it's fantasies. They're trying to get out of their lives. And it's the same thing where I think a lot. some people would think, like, oh, well, if people are desperate, if they don't have a lot of money, they're only going to spend money on necessities. And that's just not true. Uh, when people don't have any money, they want to forget about the fact that they don't have any money. And so they, they spend money on on things like that. And also, you know, uh, yeah, so pretty much all addictive substances are on the rise right now. Yeah, I kind of imagine during the COVID time, too, uh, that 
cam work has gone up. Mm-hmm. I, I have to believe that that's happening. Cam work uh, means people that have their their cams at home right. are filming themselves and receiving money for that. Right. And and I would imagine that's gone up. I don't know the actual statistics on that, but um, I was reading an article about how the porn industry is trying to get through this COVID time. And they discussed how, um, you know, really it, they've, they've had to, some, some big companies have just shut down, you know. Some have tried to implement, uh, you know, all the precautions, the COVID precautions. Which are pricey. Yeah, for their, uh, to continue on in the business. Um, and then other ladies, it talked about, it talked about just the ladies, not the men, but it talked about the ladies just kind of going online yeah. and developing online content, you know, themselves. Right. And so I imagine that will continue to grow, you right. know, and, and, you know, because we're sexual beings, we're going to, we're going to always try to find things and, and, uh, that, that is happening. You know, it's going to morph. Right. It always morphs into something. Right. So that's that's another thing is you think of the business of pornography in the world, you know, goes up when people have are stressed economically and you have an option to get online and in your home and be safe. It's much more better than going out and maybe getting a disease or something like that that's happening. I'm not sure what how how much uh, like the, the cost of like what sex toys are doing right now, but I would imagine that's going up, too. I would imagine uh, companies like Adam and Eve are making good money. Especially like online. Online purchases. Yeah, purchases are probably through the roof, yeah. Yeah, uh, I would imagine that. I also uh, think, though, that it might be interesting, too, during the COVID era to see porn viewing maybe going down in homes. Hmm. And this is why. and And I could be wrong here, but this is just a thought, is that because people are home, maybe, just maybe, and this might be a really a small percentage actually, but it may be, you know, kids, uh, teenagers, uh, adults that like to view porn, they might not feel comfortable with everybody in the home. Right. And so it might be, you know, not, the ability is just not there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I, I, I think that might be a small percentage because it seems like where there's a will, there's a way. Right. And a lot of people do view on the phone and, and that doesn't, you know, um, the amount of just picture sites is unreal. Yeah. You know, and um, so I imagine maybe that that would increase. But it's going to be interesting, you know, is the error of the porn tube sites over? You know, are we seeing kind of uh, an end to it? Um, you know, is there going to be people that are more militant in their, is the progressives and the conservatives going to kind of meet in the middle now and be like, Hey, let's, let's go after this industry. And, uh, you know, it's going to be weird if that happens. Cause you think the progressive movement has always been very pro, right. You know, uh, the first amendment and the ACLU's, um, lawsuits against, uh, um, the, uh, more right-wing conservative movements. I think of Ashcroft, uh, John Ashcroft. Uh, he was about attorney general of the United States at one point, mm. but uh, he had some lawsuits against the ACLU. Um, uh, the Free Speech Coalition is a huge um, pro-porn lobby group. Right. Um, um, 
and uh, they all went to court and battled this whole thing out, and that was all taken care of in the 90s. Mm. But, you know, is it, are we going to see something kind of, are we going to see the progressive movement because there's such a focus now on identity, LGBTQ? Is it going to kind of backbite? Is it going to kind of bite them in the rear? Mm. You know, is, is the progressive movement biting themselves in the foot, yeah. so to speak? You know, are they raising up an army of people that are going to go, hey, well, you know, porn is misogynistic. It's, you know, they're going to continue to ride that conservative line. And it's, it's kind know? of funny. Um, this is something that Martin Luther King saw, but it's also something that I think the Protestant movement really saw. Whenever you rise up, raise up a movement that isn't predominantly for something, but it's against something, you have a movement that will always eat itself. And Martin Luther King was really at odds with the, uh, you know, Malcolm X and the Black Panthers and people like that, because he warned them about that. He's like, if, if uh, a movement is created by hate or opposition, it will eat itself. And even the Protestant movement where Martin Luther and the original reformers, that wasn't their intent, but the people that glommed onto their movement were dissidents, people who were just really bummed out about the Catholic Church. And uh, it's even in the Bible. I remember King David, when he's on the run from Saul, he's the people that glom onto him are not people that are pro-David. It's people who are anti-Saul. And so he's just like with all these complainers, and he like has to complain about how, how horrible it is being with these guys and how evil they are. And uh, that's, that's what you see. Whenever a movement is created by opposition, yeah. it'll lead itself. And that's one of the main weaknesses of the progressive movement is it's not a movement that's really for anything. It's a movement that's really against something. Yeah. And so what you're seeing, and it's, it's really interesting, where even the LGBTQ movement has infighting. Because if you look at like the first part of it, lesbian, bisexual, uh, <clears throat> lesbian, gay, bisexual, that is at odds with the trans movement. Because the trans movement is very against binary gender. So they would look at the lesbian, bisexual, even the term bisexual as being against their movement because bisexual indicates binary gender, that there's two genders and you're attracted to both. That's why they created the new term pansexual. So you see even argumentation within that movement and you're going to see greater. So I, I think you're absolutely right that uh, the progressive movement what do you see there? There are some people in the progressive movement that are like, I think it was, uh, was it Alexander Ocasio-Cortez? It was either, it was one of the prominent senators. Uh, you, you guys could probably look it up, but they said sex work is work. So you have people in the progressive movement that are totally cool with pornography in the sex industry. They don't see anything wrong with it. But then there are other people in the progressive movement that are so opposed to the degradation of women that they're just like anything that objectifies women, anything that sexualizes women is wrong. Yeah, it's and, that's, bad. and that's what I see that's going to, it's even going to happen in the conservative movement that it will end up turning on itself as well. Right. So as they maybe go after the porn industry and take, and take with them the progressive movement and some of those people that are in that movement that are against porn. Right. Um, I think of people out in San Francisco. There's some people there that have uh, nonprofits that are very anti-porn. Right. You can read some of their writings in Big Porn Inc. That's the book, Big Porn Inc. But, 
you know, you know, the conservatives could take on those people with them and go fight it. But I think what's going to happen is that at some point, you know, you're going to the conservatives are going to realize that binary gender is going to be tore up as well. Right. So, you know, when when you think of what what the conservative might hate is the man and the woman having sex and pornography. But that might be something that might be something that the progressives might say that's wrong, but for a different reason. Right. It's wrong because it's 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 upholding this idea that there's a man and a woman. Right. And this kind of heterosexual um, binary relationship that is the standard that's right and that's where you're going to see and again you are seeing it also in the conservative movement as well that it's uh like i said it's a cannibalistic mentality right where it's like you're you're going to war with others but you also see the people around you as food and like so when you see the conservatives who are against the porn movement like you said there's different levels or degrees of what we mean by against the porn industry and the people that see things differently, instead of saying like, oh, you see things a little differently than me, it's like, no, you're wrong. And I got to fight you now. <laughs> you know, like, and so whatever degree you're on, and, and we've seen this even in our time of doing our ministry, that it's like we have openly said that we don't like the porn industry, but we just believe that there's no way to legally ban it. You can regulate it, which we're all for, but you can't just ban it. You can't just get rid of it. And the people in the conservative movement would look at us and be like, you guys are, you know, conforming. Sold out. You've sold out, man. You're allowing all this evil in the country. You can't, you can't allow any amount, you know. And they would be totally against us for yeah. saying that. Yeah, and 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 I would just say, well, I think what we're seeing is some of the things we've spoken of for years happening. That what's happening is you're going to see now the conservative movement get its its desire. Hmm. You're going to have more lawsuits against these companies. It's it you know, but it's going to it's going to morph into something that you don't you wish it never went this way. Right. And and I've always thought and and I've shared this so many times is that don't be surprised when this gets turned on the Bible. Right. You know this is you're, you, you when you start going after this industry, the porn industry, and and you start and you know and you make your push and it's been going this way for years now. Um, and now it's a public health concern. That's the big movement in the politics of it all is now it's a public health concern. Right. You know, people are viewing porn on massive levels. People can't get erections, blah, 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 blah. People are addicted all over the world. This kind of thing. It's public health. The, it, but then when you start joining in with people that have different world views mm. on gender issues and uh, sex issues. Right. Uh, then don't be surprised if at some point someone says, hey, you know what, but what about the Bible? The Bible teaches binary right. uh, sexes. Right. And it upholds, it's only in favor of heterosexual norm. Right. Uh, a heterosexual normality, whatever you want to call it. Right. Um, so, you know, that's not good. Right. And if we're suing these companies for this kind of discrimination right then why isn't the bible not something that you should we should get rid of too because it's discriminatory as well it's that's right hate speech as well that's right and that's that's the thing again that a lot of people don't understand so uh it reminds me of this movie i can't remember the name of the movie but essentially this guy he's going after he's trying to catch 
this bad guy. Mm-hmm. And he's suggesting that they should just like, yeah, there's there's rights, criminals have rights, but this guy doesn't get rights, you know? So we're gonna violate his civil rights. We're gonna get him no matter what. And the person who's with him, who's a little more level-headed, he's like, so you'd say that it's okay to burn the system to catch the devil. And he said, yes, I will burn every system to catch the devil. And the guy says, but what happens if the systems that were built to protect you are gone and now all that's left is you and the devil? And I like that. I like that line because what he's saying is these systems, as much as you don't like them, they're protecting him. They're also protecting you. That's right. And if you burn them down, those systems that were protecting you, who do you think is going to win in a lawless system? It's the devil. The devil's going to be the one who's going to win. And what people don't understand it, given this, uh, given this thing, what are porn lobbyists fighting for to give them the right to do these things? The First Amendment, freedom of speech. Now, what they're fighting is the First Amendment does not support crass or crude things, meaning that the First, first Amendment doesn't support me stripping down and streaking, right? That's not speech, right? That's that's crude. That's a that's profane. That's obscene. That's profanity. Like you can't do that. Mm-hmm. The First Amendment does not. Also, uh, you said hate speech. It doesn't protect against hate speech. I can't go out and actively call for the subjugation of other people. Like I will be arrested for that. Now, what if we throw out the First Amendment? We say because what these porn companies are fighting for is they're saying we're not actually obscene. We're not actually violating this obscenity clause. We're not actually doing that, what we're doing. And so when you're regulating them, that's one thing. You're saying you can do certain things, but it has to stay under a certain regulation. If you throw it out and you say, no, we get to decide what's obscene and what's not. Once you give the government that power, they could easily turn it against the Bible and say, well, I don't like the Bible. It's obscene. You know, it's hate speech. So if you're going to say porn degrades women, well, could someone look at the Bible and say that there's some things in the Bible that degrade women, right? <laughs> could somebody look at the Bible and say, well, you know, the Bible says that women must submit in Ephesians 5. Right, or it and, says if a man, if a woman's hand touches a man's genitalia, then you cut off her hand. Right, right. Someone might say something like <laughs> someone that. Someone may say it, or if a husband... That is in the Bible, by the way. <laughs> but, but different than the right. way we're portraying right now. Right. Or, you know, if a husband thinks that a wife has been uh, adulterous towards him, he could have her drink some sort of a concoction, concoction and it does <laughs> some weird does stuff. Something. Her belly swells, her thigh rots, whatever that means. You know, so some people, and, and obviously me and Bo do not believe that the Bible's misogynistic or sexist in that way. But what we're saying is it would be very easy for someone to make that argument and ban the Bible. Yeah, and I think to be clear, it's not that the Bible doesn't reveal misogyny. Right. Um, record it. Record it. Right. But we believe uh, that God is not misogynistic. Right. Um, um, yeah, so hopefully that people understand that. It's not that the Bible does, the Bible records all kinds of atrocities. And it's not things. for it. Yeah, it's not for it, but it certainly records it. <laughs> but it records it. Right? Yeah, and uh, that's what we expect if it's a book that's really rooted in the history of the world. The history of the, the wickedness of man. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, so it's interesting when you look at our culture today. We're kind of all over the board. We're kind of in these weird areas. Um, COVID's kind of put uh, a lot of interesting twists and turns. Um, I was reading that the porn industry was saying that COVID has really sped up the, um, the, the, 
the destruction of their industry as they once knew it. Right. You know, which they knew it was going to probably have to morph into something different. They were thinking, I think the article was like 10 or 15 years, and they knew they had to move in different areas because of technology. Right. Nobody's watching DVDs. You know, um, not too many people are subscribing as much to certain amount of porn. Um, people are using free porn today more than ever. Right. Um, that kind of idea. So uh, there's other avenues that people need to generate and people that are into filming. And uh, some people are just getting out of the business altogether. Mm. Um, ladies and men are just saying, hey, we're just, you know, we're going to go do something different. Yeah. And, uh, and I think you're I think that the uh, what, what you talked about with cam cam models, I think that's what we're going to see the biggest uptick in because it's simple. There's no high overhead. Someone could just do it with their webcam or their iPhone in their house. People directly finance you. They directly give you money. You don't have to worry about going through a production company. You get autonomy. If you're a woman, you don't have to be under a contract with some production company where they might make you do projects that you're not comfortable with. So there's a lot of benefits uh, for a woman going that direction or a man going that direction. And I was thinking too, like, We've talked about how pornography is not out there. It's in here. It's in our hearts. It's in our minds. It's in our life. We produce it. Kids produce it nowadays. They have phones. They show naked pictures of themselves to other people. They send those to other people. That's like a producer and a distributor all in one shot. And I, I think that's going to definitely increase more and more as it goes. It'll be interesting how the idea of hate speech and discrimination and these kind of sensitive terms and and the way that the culture's being raised in in this world today, how they really look at pornography, how how pornography kind of hits them. Are they going to look at it and just be like, uh, no? Is it going to become a little bit like some Japanese articles, you know, where the culture that has been raised um, in in around so much open pornography have just become uh, like blah blah to it yeah. just don't really want it yeah. uh, don't care to to view it yeah um, and is that going to are we going to have a generation of those kind of people yeah. that and again it's interesting because if you re, if you look at a lot of people they would go hey you know no pornography things are going to get better you know people aren't watching porn things are going to get better but you got to hold your horses, yeah. right? That's not the case, yeah. um, you know, um, because we've seen purity movements before, right? And but yet they they lead to an overall um, extinguishing of human rights, that's right, um, in the society. And that's why, again, like the question shouldn't be what are we against. The question should be what are we for? Like what are we trying to accomplish? Because if all you say is we just want to get rid of porn. Well, there's many ways to do that. And some of them, as you've already said, <laughs> lead to much worse scenarios than the one that we're living right now. So it's like, yeah, you can, <laughs> you know, you could get rid of COVID-19 by killing everybody, you know, <laughs> then there's no more COVID, you know, we're all dead. But it's like, is the, is the cure really better than the disease? And the same way, yeah, you get rid of porn, but what if you're giving into some sort of a intense like regime, let's say like, like Iran, you know, what if we lived, would you like to live in Iran where 
they don't have porn production there. You know, it's, it's illegal. They're not supposed to do it. Yeah. People do it, but they're not supposed to. You know, would you like to live in a country like that? We'd be like, no. You know, so there are ways to get rid of it that you don't want. And what me and Bo have always said is unless you get rid of the fundamental desire for something, meaning if, if, you, uh, if you study economics, the way that you get rid of supply is you have to get rid of demand. If you get rid of supply and demand still exists, supply will always come, right? That's yeah, just, just how. Just think of toilet paper. That's right. <laughs> that's right. You know, or you know, prohibition is a great example where it's like they didn't get rid of the demand, but they did get rid of the supply. So what happened? The supply came. It just came in a much more unsavory way. So the problem actually got worse under prohibition than before. So in the same way, it's like if you just get rid of the supply of sexuality and again i've been to a country that's done this afghanistan and i'll tell you i do not think that anyone in america would want to copy afghanistan when it comes to their sexual practices i don't think anybody in this country would look at what's happening sexually in that country just sexually like let's forget everything else just when it comes to sexuality i think anyone in this country would look at that and be like that's what we want i wonder if the noakes countries if there is like a progressive movement that makes any dent you know because there is in iran there's a young population very influenced by technology they're very tapped into the world nowadays more than ever i wonder if there's you know kind of that idea of you know hey we're in this misogynistic culture um you know we want to break out and you always see those little documentaries of like that kind of that one person who's you know, in a homosexual relationship or something in Iran. Right. And it's super secretive and it's, you know, and it's kind of the story of their life. Um, but I, I wonder how that, how that fits and how that plays and how that plays, how all this plays a role into, you know, end times as well, like prophetic passages in the Bible. Yeah, and, that, and that's why, you know, politics in one sense does actually matter because, if you have a political system that welcomes change from within, and America is a good example of that, right? Democracy allows change from within. So we didn't have to tear down the system in order to abolish slavery. We didn't have to tear down the system in order to give women the right to vote uh, or to desegregate the schools or anything like that. We didn't have to tear down the system because the system allowed us to change it from within. There's there's uh, different methods and usages within the system that allows us to change it. Um, when you're talking about a country like Iran, their pol- their political system does not allow for that, meaning that they, because it's based on Sharia compliance, uh, Sharia compliance looks at all these behaviors as haram, forbidden. You can't do them. So therefore, the only way to get is uh, the only way to get these types of progressive movements going is to tear down the system. You have to destroy the system in order to build it up again, which means you'd have to have a revolution yeah, of some sort. It would have to be a strong revolution to really overturn Sharia law. Right. Yeah, and that's radical, you know. And you know, so you wonder how the pendulum is going to happen. Like is is in America are we going to um in a sense uh um kind of uh you know, be so into these these political changes, um, the way we see things, that that what it's going to do is people are going to look at us more and be like, man, I don't want to be like that country. Are we going to see that more in Islamic countries? You know, where maybe they uh, will look at America for not just 
that we've had a porn industry and, and, and be in hatred of that. Right. But maybe because of the way that we now talk about sexuality or gender. Right. That they are, you know, and issues of transgenderism and things, things like that, that is going to be such a, uh, a turnoff for them where they're just going to be like, no thanks. Yeah. You know, we're going to continue. And I wonder if that's going to happen in Turkey and these, these places. Right. You know, that have kind of been teetering a little bit on, you know, what culture are we going to subscribe to? That's why it's kind of funny, you know, when you look at Iran and they call Israel the little Satan and America the great Satan. Now, that has always struck me as weird. Uh, back even in high school when I learned that that's what happens in these uh, very, very high <clears throat> Shia populations that they call America the great Satan and Israel the little Satan. And the reason why it struck me as weird is because if you study Islamic eschatology, Israel or the Jewish, the Jews in general are the main people group that need to be wiped out in order for their end times to come about, right? Uh, it was Muhammad who said that the end times will not come until a Jew is hiding behind a rock and the rock cries out, oh Muslim, come and kill the Jew who's hiding behind me, right? It says nothing about America because America didn't exist when Muhammad was going on. So you're like, why would the Jews be the little Satan if they're the main race that is in opposition to the Islamic State? And the answer is, I think it's twofold. I think the first one is that we militarily defend Israel. But the second one, I think this is probably the strongest reason, is they see the impact of the West on all these other countries, meaning that they see that America is moving the entire world not necessarily through military might, not necessarily through our economic might, but through our entertainment industry. That's how we're moving the world. And that's why I think they hate us so much is because they see the poison that comes out of our entertainment industry and how it infects everything. And they just really, so just really what, hate what, us. How it's gonna, what they're going to think now. Right. You know, what are they going to think now to the shows that are on? where you see, you know, homosexuality is fairly normal, right. you know, in a show today. Even celebrated, right? E yeah. Even, yeah, in a celebratory way. Yeah. Or, or bisexuality. Now, I haven't seen too many shows, um, you know, uh, with a lot of uh, polygamy or polyandry. You see more, right? you know, non-monogamous. I think that's a series that's come out, non-monogamy or something a while back. But... Mm. Um, you know, you have seen a little more of that, but it doesn't seem to stick as much. You don't see that just in the average, you know, series where you see someone who's, you know, uh, a woman who has, you know, four husbands. Right. Or a husband, a man who has four wives. Right. And it seems like and everything's great. Yeah. Everybody's fine with that. Um, but you do see other things happening, you know, Um uh, so uh, it's going to be interesting. Um, I wonder how that plays a part. And I always think about, you know, the beast uh, coming out of the sea, coming out of the land, you know, uh, the Antichrist and w and just all that and what the world's going to be like. And I'm sure we're all we all think of those things as Bible readers. And um, and and I, I don't know how that all plays a part um, yeah. in it all. And, you know. This is just my own personal take, you know, so take it with a grain of salt. Yes. But, um, you know, there's a guy named Sebastian Younger who wrote a book called Tribe on Homecoming and Belonging. 
And he said something that as a marriage counselor, I'll tell you is absolutely true. He said, when a couple is about to divorce, it's, uh, you could see it with two main things and it's not by fighting and it's not even by uh, the aggressiveness of the fighting. He says, when the fighting becomes about character as opposed to issue, and when the communication is filled with contempt, then you know the marriage is about to end. Meaning where I'm, when I'm fighting with my wife, even if they're hotly uh, contested battles, right, where we really disagree with one, with one another, as long as the fighting is about an issue, right, and we see it as we're on the same team, but we just fundamentally disagree on this issue, the marriage could actually be okay, right? We could compromise, we can make it, right? It's not a big deal, even if it's, like I said, a very hotly contested issue, where it becomes a thing that will probably lead to us separating is we're no longer fighting about the issue, but we're fighting about each other. We're just assassinating one another's characters. So instead of me saying, like, hey, I disagree with you, I say, you're a terrible mom. You know, I can't believe you would think that way, right? Just start really cutting her down. Uh, and that contemptuous speak as well, as I just demonstrated, right? He said that a couple's about to divorce. And he looked at America and he said, you know, Americans have always disagreed about things. And yeah, there have been hot debates throughout American history, for sure. Even to the point of like the Civil War, you know, where we were just flat out and out killing one another. Uh, but he says, what you usually saw, though, was that these fights were inevitably about issues that we really cared about. He says, what's shifted in the last about 50 years is we're no longer really fighting about issues, we are fighting about character. So it's no longer like, hey, this is an issue and I disagree with you. It's, you're a liberal, so I kind of hate you. You know, like you're, you're terrible. Or like yeah. the liberals looking at the conservatives saying like, you're a conservative, so you're a racist. You know, you're this, you're that, and labeling one another. Like that's when a, a, a situation's about to dissolve. And I think this presidential uh, election has really showed us just how far we've gone. When you get to that state, there's really not much that could be done. It would take a fundamental shift in both parties to want to reconcile and work on it in order for a marriage to preserve, be preserved when it gets to that point. And it would take a fundamental shift in both parties, right? The, both the Republican and the Democratic Party would have to be like, we need to really work on, you know, keeping this country together, living for unity. That's what it would take. And there's a chance that we're just a little bit too far gone. That's just not going to happen. So I think that when you look at Revelation, you look at the fact that Western nations aren't really mentioned at all. So I'm not even talking about America right now. European nations aren't really that mentioned right. within the book of Revelation. You know, you have the Ten Kingdoms. You have the idea that the Antichrist is coming from a Roman descent. But beyond that, you don't really see the idea of the West being a big deal. The Middle East is a big deal, and the East is a big deal. The West, not so much. So that kind of makes sense to me, that we would just kind of neuter ourselves, and the Middle East would... That's a good way to put it, like we neuter ourselves. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we're cut. Yeah, we're just unfruitful <laughs> in any way. We just kind of do our thing, and the Middle East, in opposition to us starts making probably raising up some sort of a leader that's going to be very uniting to yeah. the islamic nations going to be someone who's going to 
be able to make inroads with Israel, which the groundwork for that is already pretty much set. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to see the Eastern nations, which again, you, you could already see China and things like that rising, raising up. Yeah. So it, it's really interesting because we see the stage being set in a really cool way. But I think, and a lot of people don't know this as well, the Antichrist is supposed to be a moral guy, right? He is not this anti-religious, licentious Hugh Hefner dude running out, just having tons of sex, like just like waving a rainbow flag, you know, like in other, that's not the Antichrist of the Bible, right? He supports conservative values, right? He is a guy who's going to support morality in a big way. If you read 1 Timothy chapter 4, uh, where he talks about the doctrine of the demons and the uh, philosophy of the last days, it is a philosophy of abstinence. It's a philosophy of moral uh, moral beauty and things like that. Uh, also, Second Timothy chapter three, where he talks about the philosophy of the last days. Uh, it's it yeah, they're brutal, they're headstrong, all these things. But there's also this idea at the end that is kind of crazy. They have the form of godliness, right? So there's this idea of morality, kind of wrapping all these things in. So inside, there's this brutal nature, this this hateful nature. But on the outside, there's this form. Of godliness with the innate denial of power so it's 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 interesting for yeah, sure. yeah it's interesting because it's almost like a culture that says there's no objective truth but there's objective truth right or you know or, or where does objective truth come from well I'm not sure there isn't even is an objective truth right so there's a, like a self uh, creation of personal morality maybe through personal autonomy Mm -hmm. meaning everybody is their own individual they can make up their own morality but it becomes like uh through propaganda and slogans um which is the way it goes in a society things become um people are now fearful of of doing certain things to to offend people and so we kind of live in this uh kind of personal autonomy um uh, so you can see how maybe this all develops in our own societies and how we, uh, you know, where we might say things are like, hey, I'm not viewing porn. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. I'm doing good. Like right. I'm, I'm a real moral person. But, you know, compared to Jesus and what the Bible is considering right. or the righteousness of God, it would be absolutely uh, a blasphemy. Right, you know, against God's righteousness, His righteous standard, right, or what He says is the right, or why He created something, right. Um, so, and that's, and so, yeah, we could see a lot of confusion um, in in our culture for sure. Yeah. So it's an interesting podcast because we kind of ended up doing like a little bit of a cultural recap, yeah. you know, <laughs> on the year and things that maybe we've seen within the year and. Who knows where it's going to lead, yeah. um, you know? But we've talked about uh, some of these issues for a long time. It'll be really interesting to see uh, how these lawsuits kind of take effect. Uh, what you know, uh, you know, is the ACLU going to come on on the porn uh, side as it's been in the past, or what's kind of going to happen here? Yeah. So I wanted to get to a letter, but we're not going to be able to today on this podcast. But we will next time because we'll talk a little bit about. Um, Again, uh, we want to talk something, uh, we've talked about these things before, but uh, about how people think we need to deal with sexual issues within the church, and uh, which is a very um, 
interesting topic and one we like to talk about quite a bit. So, Check out runninglight.org to begin our two video series, Take Flight and Love or Lust. You can also send us questions on Twitter at Running Light or on our runninglight.org podcast page. Like us on Facebook at Running Light Ministries, Psalm 36.8. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures.